Blog Greetings, greetings, another edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Hoodoo Secrets and Recipes. We have a very special edition today. We're going to speak out to the community, out to the city council, out to the Come back home to Africa. Come back home 
along with the knowledge of the life-giving earth, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, and indeed, as our beloved elder Denise Augustine would say, our sacred stories, our sacred stories. And today we're here to talk about and to share our sacred stories from locals, from those born and bred in the city of New Orleans, from participants throughout the community, transplants, visitors, and indeed, we need everyone involved, everyone involved, not just the cultural people, not just the masking black uh, culture, not just the Indians, not just the baby dolls. We need the brass bands. We need the bicycle clubs. We need the walking crews. We need the French Quarter, the Ninth Ward, the Seventh Ward. We indeed need the city to protect this history, to protect this culture, and to protect what still remains of the land and the artifacts and the agriculture, and indeed the space where many of us demonstrate this beautiful culture and tradition that you all come to New Orleans to see and to participate in and to enjoy. So I'm going to begin to bring on my co-host, my community, my village, these beautiful queens that are standing up right now to preserve our culture and our history. I first want to introduce Cheryl Austin, the director of Greater Treme Cultural Center, or Greater Treme um, Consortium, LLC, Greater Treme Consortium, LLC. But I see it also as a cultural center, because without the community, without the landmarks, without the location, where would we be and, and, and what indeed will we be doing? So I'm grateful for you coming on and using my space, my shared space. I refer to this as a shared sacred space each and every day that I broadcast this show. So indeed, it is more sacred today now that the queens and the mothers and the sisters and the wives and these culture bearers and these healers and these practitioners are here now to share with you what I've been offering you in this space for over 12 years. And that is indeed why I'm here, why I stay here, while I will continue to be a part of this community, and you'll get a deeper understanding today. So greetings, Cheryl Austin. Uh, let me also bring on Osetua, beloved Osetua Amor Aminkum. Welcome, beloved. She's also going to speak and share today and, and do a little teaching and do a little activism and invite you to be a part of this work. I want to bring on um, my cousins, my blood cousins, Otan, Ifa, Tomiwa. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for always being so consistent and present with us. We certainly appreciate your light and your love and your support. And then my other blood cousin, Oloye, Ifa Wole, Oladeji, Ifantade. Greetings, beloved. Thank you also for joining us. Um, and being a part of this conversation and helping us to Please. spread this message and spread this activism. Uh, Morgan, if you will, I'll bring you on screen. Uh, you can stay muted, if you will, until you're ready to be a part of the conversation. But we certainly appreciate your participation as well and, and your support. And we're going to have a very special demonstration today by the beloved Amy Selly. Uh, she has a slideshow presentation, which I'm going to bring up on the screen for you momentarily. So, Cheryl, if you would like to begin, uh, then I'll set to while, and then we'll go to Amy Stelly. Always a blessing. And, and I'll check in in the chat. 
Cheryl, unmute your mic. Unmute your mic. There you go. Come on in. Greetings. Hello. Greetings. Thank you. Thank you so much. And greetings. Um, I feel so honored to be here. This is my first time doing a podcast, and it could not have come at a better time. This is that we're facing in Trinity. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the audience also for um, giving us the time to basically vent and hopefully turn around the decision that the mayor has to relocate City Hall into the municipal auditorium, which is in the So Asha Austin, I am the executive director of Greater Treme Consortium, an outgrade of the Treme Community Improvement Association. We um, have been advocating and have been activists for over 60 years, trying to save and maintain the goodness, the culture of Treme. Um, I'm a lifelong resident. And I'm also a um, mother, a grandmother, and I'm also the neighbor of, I call him Ty. I know he's a prince, and I know he's divine, but I just love one son, so I call him Ty. Awesome. Um, I'm just going to give a brief history of why we're here, and then I, I would like for Amy to come on and do the presentation along with the other hosts that have come. Okay. Um, that has been talking for 60 years. Um, as a girl growing up in Trame, a young girl going into adulthood, a teenager, um, I watched the destruction of where Armstrong Park now is. As a matter of fact, I attended the junior high school there. Um, we had no idea what was going on as a kid. The life work the city is doing now, without information, without talking to people in the community. But then we woke up, and half of the people were gone. Their houses had became abandoned. Windows had became broken. Doors were thrown off of the houses. And we had no idea what was going on until Mr. Jim Hayes started informing everyone. He became one of the world's known activists and um, really put the six world training on that because he refused to come into the neighborhood without informing the community and without any information as to what was going to But we found out what the plans were after those houses had been not demolished, but while the people were moving out, we found out that city's plane was not our plane, and that was the Builder Culture Center at that site. Um, after demonstrating and, and, and becoming activists in the community, and this was not by people who came in or around. These were the people that actually lived in the neighborhood that saw their communities being destroyed. What was found out was that the city had a plan different from, from what the community and how the community had been living. Their plan never came to fruition. The name Louis Armstrong Park was something that came into being 
because they did not complete their plan. The plan was to demolish the houses from North Rampart Street to North Claiborne and Basin to St. Philip. And because of the activism, that was stopped. And the park is really a compromise to stop the activism. The park along with the Tremid Center. So fast forward 50 years later, where we are right now, we're still fighting that same fight. Except the city now wants to move City Hall within the park at the municipal auditorium. And this is something that we cannot and will not allow. It's not right. It's not fair. We're not being listened to. We have not been engaged in any communications in community. And we just want the mayor to stop, listen, and, you know, make a decision that this is not a good fit for the Tremaine community. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I'm here. I I thought maybe you had more to say, but, yeah, I'm here. I absolutely agree. Um, you said you wanted to bring well, I, I just feel like more and, and too, and too Did you want to elaborate more or did you want to... Uh, There's a delay. Yeah, um, your connection is a little bit weak for some reason. Um, so well, I, I guess... I, yeah, mine, yeah, it, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> It's okay. But um, the reason why we all feel this is not a, re- a good is because of the culture here. As a kid growing up in Tremere, the first thing we heard in the morning was Eggman coming through, passing through the street, saying he had rags. And then the evening, especially on the summer days, we heard the watermelon man. All around us was sound. All around us was music. All around us was the culture of treadmill. It's organic. Um, things have changed. We don't expect treadmill to be the way it was 50, not even 20 years ago. But things drastically changed. And with the, um, with the mayor suggesting and making a move to move city halls to the municipal auditorium, we're totally destroyed the Tremaine community. We are facing 60% of short-term rentals right now. And as we see it as an organization, this will, Tremaine will no longer have a voting voice. Short-term rentals, most of them are owned by the same person. That person only has one vote. The residents will totally be gone. And so city to do whatever they want to do and that's really at the heart of why well it's yeah it's at the heart of why we can't let this happen because Tremere will not have a voting heart Ashe Ashe um so we're going to bring on um uh, Miss Amy Stelling next I know she's kind of mobile so I want to give her an opportunity to speak and share her perspective and point of view. I also have a slideshow um, ready to go um, when Amy's ready for me to uh, present it. Greetings, beloved. Greetings. Thank you for having me on. 
and I am also the Divine Prince Tai Emeka's neighbor. I'm a lifelong resident of Treme, although I have lived other places. I've never left home, and I live in the house that I grew up in, um, which is about two blocks from the Prince and Cheryl. Um, so I, too, think that this is a really, really bad idea for a lot of reasons. It's just going to totally uh, wipe out what is left of the neighborhood and definitely impact the culture that everyone knows and loves in New Orleans. So the things that you identify New Orleans with may not be there anymore if we go forward. So why don't we start the slideshow to show people what the mayor is proposing. Yes, ma'am. Give me a second here. All right. Okay. And what I would like to say is that the mayor is doing this very secretly. As Cheryl said, she's not involving community. She's not even involved in the business community. Asking the mayor to rethink the relocation of City Hall, and we're going to look at her request for qualifications for those of you who are not um, in America or who may speak a different land use language. The request for qualifications means she's looking for someone to carry out her plan. Next slide, please. So just a little bit of this point. Um, as you can see, what's in the yellow is what's under consideration as the trending center that um, Cheryl spoke about, which I call the booby prize because that's what we got when they took all the land. Um, but it has become like the municipal auditorium is a beloved uh, asset in our community. I swim there regularly. It's got a heated pool. Things you really don't find in many, many black neighborhoods. So even though it was born out of pain, it is something that we have come to value and treasure. Um, you can see there's Lehman Playground, which will come into play in a minute, and the Hilliard Jackson Theater, which is right in the middle. Um, and there are some interesting dynamics with that, too. Let's move to the next slide. So the mayor is looking for a master plan. She wants to redevelop the municipal auditorium in Armstrong Park. And her goal is to return it to a more vibrant and useful service for the Trinidad neighborhood. I would argue that we're already vibrant. And if you know anything about Trinidad, any time of the day and night, you might hear music, it might be a parade. There are always people talking, uh, always on the street. Uh, and we support one another. So this goal to develop a master plan for a vision to make us better, I say is focus. Um, and the city sees it as a means to redevelop our community. Next slide. Interestingly enough, her goal, she wants her, her whoever wins this, to re review ongoing and future development projects both planned and proposed future. First on the list, the Treme neighborhood. Secondly, the Cleveland Corridor which was our retail district back in the 60s before I-10 came through and totally devastated the economic base. The Clayton Corridor was the only place that black people could shop comfortably because when we went into downtown New Orleans, we weren't accepted there. Craig Elementary, which is across the street from the Municipal Auditorium site, that school was recently redone. Um, and again, she wants to replanted 
Trinidad Community Center, which I spoke about, and then the French Quarter neighborhood and district business district. She's already trying to make movement to uh, redesign some things in the French Quarter. They are not working, and those people are against her proposal. Next slide. Timeline for her master plan. She's already released, uh, so she's looking for someone to do this work for her. Uh, she has put on what is called the cone of silence, meaning the city is not talking to anybody who is bidding to do this work. Um, she's already behind her deadlines for a conference, and it was May 20th, May 10th. So originally, she made it to May 21st. There are some very interesting things in that particular um, conference, one of which was we're supposed to totally disregard what you will see in a minute. That is what she sent out to bidders, but now she's telling them, don't worry about that. I really don't want to do that. I believe what's written, her uh, uh, capital project director said, believe what's written, the written word. You will see what the written word says. Um, and then in June, which is not far from now, she expects to select someone and move forward. Next slide. Um, I left this slide in. She did want someone to manage the project, but somewhere along the line, she decided that that wasn't necessary. And she removed it from the website on May 20th, on or about. Thanks to Cheryl for spotting that. But you can see it had a similar timeline to the um, master planning schedule. Next slide. Uh, this is a little bit blurry, but we are uh, almost four months. So you can see she started her clock on March 1st, 2021. Um, and the four months brings us to July. Thank you. And then we can count uh, 24 months, no, more than that, 48 months. Um, and then she expects to actually uh, cut the ribbon and open a new city hall in the Armstrong Park and the Municipal Auditorium. Next slide. Uh, these are her preliminary architectural diagrams. Uh, I suppose the thing about the proposed parking, she's looking to bring in a minimum of uh, 937 parking spaces into our neighborhood. There's a school right across the street from the site. Uh, you can imagine when school lets out, when school is taking in, the children having to negotiate 900 cars. If you are a parent, if you are a thinking person, you will see that this is a ridiculous notion. Next slide, please. Uh, but in order to realize her plan to bring in all of these cars, she'll have to change the zoning and land use categories. Right now, we have open space designated on that particular site. She would have to change it and put something more intense there to allow her garage, but that even calls for a special permit for her to be able to build it. Also, on the main site, which you can see OS.R, which means this is a regional park, it's regional open space. We can't have regular office, but we can have government office. I can understand something like a caretaker's office or an administrative office that runs the park and makes sure everything is good with security, but not a government building. So if we can't have a regular office, why should we welcome 
um, a government office that closes at five o'clock and won't bring anything to the table for the residents of Trinae. Next slide, please. These are her concepts. We can go to the next slide. Her first slide is a tax credit concept. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with tax credits, but she would have to totally preserve the historic nature of the building. And in this case, it's not only out the outside, but there is a historic concert hall in there. And in, if she does that, and she can get credit via taxes for doing that particular uh, type of work and uh, participating in preservation. Next slide. And of course, this tells more of what she would be doing. She would restore it to its 1928 state, um, but then add a new 90,000 square foot city hall, uh, and she says she'll set it back so it's not so harsh for Villary Street, which is a residential street. Next slide. Um, what was interesting is that we discovered by looking in these, through these uh, proposals that she would remove our fire station. New Orleans and Trinity in particular is a neighborhood of wooden houses. If she takes away our fire station, we'll be dependent on three fire stations that are outside of our neighborhood on a very active day, two of which are in the French Quarter. If the French Quarter is having a really active day and traffic is slow, can you imagine having to wait for a fire truck and your house is burning? That has happened in Treme. There was a property across the street from that fire station that caught on fire. The city closed it. Thank you, Paul Brokers. It was a beloved place. We did not know our fire station had been closed. Brokers caught on fire and burned to the ground before a fire truck could really save the building. They got there, but it was really too little too late. Uh, the fire station is back open, but now we face the threat of losing it. And that is a life safety issue for those of us who live in Tremaine. Next slide, please. With this particular scheme, which means, you know, she would preserve the history and historic nature of the building, it looks pretty much like it does now. We have the Municipal Auditorium, the Mahalia Jackson, the Treme Center, and the rest of the site is pretty much open. We have a pump station there, uh, which is actually quite beautiful architecturally, um, but there's nothing else. It's pretty much open space, a lot of asphalt. We need permeable paving and more trees and grass, but at least the site is open. Next slide. And I'd like to say the mayor offered, offered that slide a year ago. But then, secretly, over the past year, she has developed three more concepts. This is the first one, where she would demolish existing annex buildings um, and put the city hall inside of the auditorium, build parking, um, build four floors. She would restore the way the building looked. Uh, but pretty much we would lose the character of the municipal auditorium, uh, particularly on the inside. Next slide. <clears throat> and this is what it looks like. So if you look at 7B, that is a parking garage now for 1,200 cars. So you can see she has really upped the ante and put in a significantly uh, more amount of cars. 7C and 7A are also garages. So in our neighborhood, she would bring in 
not the seven or eight hundred that you saw in her first concept. She boosted it up to 2,600 cars uh, on that particular site on St. Philip Street, where you can see uh, building six and seven, there is a school. So she would have all of this going on right across the street from the school. A little bit about the concept. The building number six, she would ask to bring in the civil court. The municipal auditorium would then serve as our city hall. Uh, I can tell you the staff at the school is very concerned about having any kind of court building across the street from the school because there could be custody issues for some children who are in that school. If the parents are not getting along, then the children become vulnerable to things like kidnapping because all a disgruntled parent has to do is go across the street and get their child. But the blue dotted lines show how she's going to funnel all these 2,600 cars out of the site. And you can see from this, it's one way in and one way out. I can't imagine how she expects that to work. Next slide. Um, you can see now the site has become really much more massive with buildings. Uh, she, is, she is holding to um, an 80-foot height limit, but ours is only 50 feet, so she's going to have to up the ante with the height limit and then build all of these garages and much more massive buildings on the site. Um, next slide. Uh, in concept two, she would restore the facade of the auditorium completely repurposed, which means it's going to be a gut rehab, uh, demolish the annex. For those of you who are seeing the annex to that building, that's a good idea. That's the only good idea. And then she's going to, again, put the civil court back with parking. So let's go to the next slide. Um, again, 7E now will put the parking right across the street from the school. Uh, the civil court, building six, would be against Hillary Street. There are one-story houses there, some of them brand new. When those people purchased those properties and moved into those homes, uh, they did not expect a court building to be across the street from their homes, nor did they expect to have to live with 2,600 cars going in and out of the site. You can see now she's from the blue dotted line. She's opened up the circulation which means St. Anne Street, Dumaine uh, Street, which is the street that um, the Divine Prince Cheryl and I live on, would be subjected to a lot of traffic. And then now she's made two ways out to Basin Street. So you can see that with 2,600 cars on the site serving a civil court and city hall and, you know, there are other activities than people are free to come and park. This is going to be a horror during Mardi Gras because people will come to go to parades. I can imagine she's going to charge them a handsome fee for parking in that 2600 garage and then shovel them. We, the neighborhood will be ruined. Um, next slide. Um, again, the massiveness of the buildings and the garages. What I didn't point out in the last slide, but it's the same as this, you can see the little shotgun houses. If you see the arrow on, say, Phillips Street in the top slide, and 
and then on Zonary Street, um, in the bottom slide, you can see the actual size of the little shotgun houses outlined in black compared to the massiveness of the parking garages uh, that she intends to put there. And the public court had the same kind of massing, if you remember the slide before. Next slide, please. So those people who live on St. Philip Street or Villary Street or the school, they're going to be taken on the knuckles. Um, her third concept is to restore the facade, uh, completely repurpose the interior. Again, she's just going to cut the historic building, take out the concert hall, which is notable, which is why it's protected. Um, and then she's going to repurpose everything. Again, build the civil court and a new city hall. She's changed the game up slightly with this and searched the parking garages. So let's go to concept three. Um, in this case, the city hall would then face the small houses on Villery Street, again, St. Philip Street, and the school with 7A, get the garage, and then the civil court farther away from the school, but not that far, not far enough to keep a disgruntled parent or relative away, is then um, going to be in the municipal auditorium, and she is now completely opening the site. Um, from St. Philip Street. So now all of the cars are going to come in front of the school, come through St. Philip Street, which is closed. We can't use that. We've asked to use that um, street and that, that passageway for people who use the community center, particularly people who are infirmed and handicapped and can't walk. We've been told no, but now she's going to open it to accommodate building and the 2,600 cars that she intends to put on the site. So this is not good for us. Um, and then she's going to build a 10-story. You can see 10-story City Hall. So if you live in a one-story house, then City Hall is going to be 10 times as small as your house. Those people who bought those properties, again, did not bargain for that when they purchased those homes. Next slide. Again, you can see the massiveness of the site does not change. Again, the outlines of the little tiny houses on St. Philip and Villery facing these garages, facing these massive buildings is totally out of scale and totally out of character for our neighborhood, and we don't want that in Treme. Next slide. Uh, the cost. Next. Uh, in order to refurbish 1300 Perdido is the current city hall. And the mayor estimates that it will cost $155 million to restore that building. Um, but wait, we have a bargain with the auditorium. It's only going to cost $171 million to totally uh, gut and rehab that building. But we have $38 million in dedicated team funding, which means it has to be used for the municipal auditorium. But there's a $133 million shortfall. The question becomes, where does she get that money from? Is she going to float bonds, which means we're paying taxes alone? Is she going to use block grant funds, which typically uh, fund programs, particularly for underprivileged people and children? So are we going to lose that? Is she going to use COVID funding? We don't know where she's going to get the money from. So that is a question that we feel the city must answer. Next slide. I thought it would be interesting to compare the city hall. Thank you. Um, and 
the municipal auditorium, which is the slide on the left in the park, is the proposed city hall. And I wanted to look at how things look. So it's an apples to apples um, comparison. Our city hall terminates the vista. So when you come down the street, and this is facing street, it stops your view. It says, here I am. I am the authority. It's a short building, but you can see it spans the street. Philadelphia is very similar. I lived in Philadelphia for many years. It's a city that I love. But you can't go north, south, east, or west in downtown Philadelphia without encountering City Hall. It takes its place in a downtown and establishes itself as the seat of authority, just like our City Hall does. Both New Orleans currently and Philadelphia have City Halls in their downtown, in their central business district. The auditorium on my left, you can see, terminates the vista, but you can't see it. It's hidden behind trees, and those are the trees of Congo Square. So what you see as you go down, this is Orleans Avenue, two things. You can't see City Hall, and you'll never see it. And actually, the closer you get to it, the more obscure it is because you see more of the trees in Congo Square. But also, this is a residential street. You can see that the mayor wants to locate our city hall in a residential district, and I would argue that that is appropriate for a seat of government. Um, and with that, I will turn the mic over to my colleague. Thank you. Thank you. That was very um, detailed, extremely detailed and informative, and I'm certainly grateful. You're muted. Oh. Hi, you're muted. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That was very detailed and extremely informative, and I think it really gave uh, the participating viewing and listening audience a better understanding of really what's at stake here. Uh, it's more than just Congo Square and that culture, but indeed the community, the first free black community in America. And so I want to bring Asetua on next, if that's okay with everybody. Okay. Green, hey, everybody. Okay. Uh, thank you, thank you, Divine Prince, and greetings to your audience. I bring you greetings from Abcos, Orleans, way down south in the Big Easy. But right now, it doesn't appear to be so easy, but I'm here as a testimony to let you know that the revolution will be televised. Your Scott Harrell said it would not be, but I'm here to say it will be televised. We're in a different world now, 2021, where social media and documentation is the our call for today. We um, have been united. I am a native-born New Orleanian. Uh, I am a representing a myriad of organizations. I'm only going to talk about the purpose for today. But as a culture bearer and a community activist, this issue resonates with the entire New Orleans area because the incidents that um, Ms. Cheryl described with the red man in the morning time and the watermelon man. That was all throughout New Orleans. And all throughout New Orleans, we are experiencing the gentrification process. But we have decided that enough is enough and that we are going to fight for our cultural epicenter, which is, which is the Louis Armstrong Park houses, Congo Square, and the Morris F. X. Jeff Municipal Auditorium. 
we have been uh, having community meetings. We have initiated a petition. For those of you guys who have not signed our petition, I encourage you to go to change.org under Stop the Mayor, Move the City Hall, or you can go to the New Orleans Culture Preservation Committee page on Facebook and, and click on the link. We're now at uh, 9,000 signatures. It's growing every day. It is important that we go global with this petition because we want the mayor and city administrators to recognize that this issue is not just important to the local residents, it's particularly important to them, to us. But it's also impacting the world because everybody hears about New Orleans, everybody hears about jazz and the birthplace, everybody hears about Tremaine, Congo Square. So the fact that she even is considering to desecrate the whole area is beyond all of our compensation. We are having a massive Stop the Move to City Hall March and Rally on Thursday, June 17th, 2021. It's going to start in Congress Square. We're asking the people to gather at 4.30. The rally will start at 5, but we need to gather at 4.30 because we want to, we want to get to City Hall by 6 o'clock. Um, we are calling for a diverse coalition of civic organizations, educational organizations, uh, motorcycle clubs, horseback riders, baby dogs, Marty Bar Indians, um, anybody who feels compelled that you want to have your voice heard. It is really extremely important. Um, I, I began my my presentation at the last meeting and said, who's got the power? Who's I think power? It's, it's interesting that politicians think that Community residents don't have power. But I'm here to say, oh, we got some power. Because I'm calling on all the Edwards and all the Warriors, Ogu, or Chelsea, any led by to help us with this battle because this is a righteous fight. This is a righteous fight. And our God will be on the side of, of righteousness. And I believe that combined with the power of people united, there's no way that we can lose. There's no way that we will not be victorious. So I implore you guys, if you want to benefit, donate to our cause. You can go to Cash App, Tremate 66, that's the dollar sign, Tremate, T-R-E-M-E 66, to help us with some costs that we have. We appreciate all of your efforts. We appreciate your time. And if you can, share, if you've already signed the petition, share it with someone else. Because I am amazed that every time I talk about this, somebody who is not aware of what's going on. When we first, this is my last point, when we first started this, this fight, we only heard that she wants to move the city hall to the auditorium. But as Amy just showed you, that's not their plan. It's far more sinister than that. So once we discovered that that's what the plan was, it was actually a no-brainer. And it's something to be said when the mamas rise up. See, when the mamas rise up, it's time for everybody to bow down to buy and pray. You know how that goes. Yeah. When your mama stand up and say enough is enough, that's right. Enough is it's enough. enough. Who got the power? We oh, got, we the, got power. the power. I say. I say. I say. I say. I, I had to unmute myself again. We got the power. I say. Um, I want to allow um, my other uh, panelists. Um, Morgan, did you have something you wanted to say? You can always unmute yourself. Um, and as well as Raymond Sweet. Um, if you had a comment, a question, 
something you also wanted to add to the to the discussion, we would greatly appreciate that. Of course, my cousin. Thank you, Divine. Come on in, Morgan. Hey, thank you, Divine Prince Ty. Thank and you. thank you for sending out all those prayers and blessings. We really need that. I apologize, first of all, that I can't be on camera. I have a very old computer and having some technical issues. Um, and I want to thank all of our coalition members for doing such great work. And Amy had her incredible presentation because that is what's really waking up people around the city. Um, I'm a born and red, bred New Orleanian, French Quarter and Treme. And uh, I was fortunate enough to live in the French Quarter before the massive change to tourism and condos. And it really was the last vestiges of what the quarter was and what that original city was, the diversity of the people, um, the, just the multicultural aspect of it. Um, after our family was priced out of the French Quarter, we moved to Treme. And I have to say that, you know, I've lived a very fortunate and blessed life to have known and worked with so many of our cultural bearers and have been in the advocacy and activist uh, world around culture in our city for 40 years. So this is a pivotal moment for our city, uh, our culture, and that is why we all need to unite. Um, I want to share something with you um, that means a lot to me, because when I walk through our city, when I walk through the Treme, through the park, through Congo Square, really all over our city, Claiborne, I feel our ancestors, the people I know that have passed, you know, they're still here and they're still with us and, and we miss them. But we also are standing on their shoulders and have to fight this fight to preserve their history and their honor and the work that they did. Um, let me share this with you. It could be said um, that all sacred things must have their place. It could even be said that being in their place is what makes them sacred. For if they were taken out of their place, even in thought, the entire order of the universe would be destroyed. Sacred objects, therefore, contribute to the maintenance of order in the universe by occupying the spaces allocated to them. So when we think about that, the site that, that we're discussing right now um, has been a sacred space for literally thousands of years. You know, the indigenous people, that was a sacred land. Um, and as the city of New Orleans was founded and grew, the ramparts of the city were, you know, where Rampart Street is now. And Congo Square and the plains there became another sacred space and literally the spiritual and literal home of our music, our culture, and everything that we still carry on today. In spite of all of the, the onslaughts and the injustices, it's amazing and really wonderful that our culture continues to survive, um, that we always have to keep fighting these fights. But that site is especially poignant for all of the injustices that have been done there. Um, and all of the, the, the people, their lives and their spirits are still there. Um, when we talk about City Hall, the current City Hall was, was built in the late 1950s as a shining new example of 
of, you know, uh, civic wonder and amazement. But what they did there was they tore down a black neighborhood called, you know, some people call it back of town. Louis Armstrong called it the battlefield. Some people call it Black Storedale. But literally, Louis Armstrong's childhood home was raised to build that seat of government. And to this day, there is no plaque or mention of him. So then we created the Louis Armstrong Park. And in that creation, there was destruction. So now we have something that honors him. We have a beautiful statue. We have this beautiful space. And now his spirit and his honor is under attack again. Um, you know, government is the business of the And our culture is the heart and soul, the breath and the life of the people. And we have to respect that and honor that. So when we talk about uh, the seat of government, it should not be in this cultural space. And I think so many people recognize that. Um, so we are absolutely standing against City Hall moving to that space. And we're standing for a revitalization and reculturalization and investment in that cultural space. Because that is the process uh, with this money that's tied to the Morris FX Steps Auditorium. Um, you know, the mayor hijacking that money for a city hall is just is is unbelievable. So we need to actually fight for that money to stay with the Morris FX Steps Auditorium and and start the process to bring the culture back to that space. And there's many memories and people's lives attached to all of that space. And one point that we don't bring up much is the historic buildings there that remained after one phase of destruction. The Masonic Temple Perseverance Hall, 1890. That's the oldest Masonic Temple in Louisiana. So we have, again, the roots of music, gardens, the Jazz Grove, which as a child, I went every Sunday to see Papa Celestan, you know. So we have so many things we need to work for, and I just appreciate that we are all coming together for this, um, to fight this issue. And it's going to be a fight, so we need everybody. Thank you so much. And, and if you will, Morgan, can you further elaborate, if you can, Morgan, can you please further elaborate on how uh, non-local can also participate. I don't want people to feel as if, you know, those who are located internationally or even nationally um, don't have a voice in this. So is there somewhere that they can participate um, as, as, long, as well as signing the petition? Is there someone they can write letters to? Is there somewhere that they can write emails to? Absolutely. Um, and that, that is a very big point. As a federal pointed out earlier, the the uh, New Orleans Cultural Preservation Committee's um, change.org petition has over 9,000 signatures. And many of those folks are from around the world because sometimes it seems that people from other places respect and appreciate our culture more than our own city sometimes. Um, and they have a voice in that, in that petition. They can also write our mayor at Mayor Control. C-A-N-T-R-E-L-L -L at NOLA.gov. 
They can visit uh, our Four NOLA Culture Facebook, um, and also the respective coalition members all have uh, Facebook pages. And I think that um, those letters to the mayor, I think, would be very impactful because she needs to hear from people. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Um, cousin Oloye Ifawole, did, did you have something to say, and particularly about sacred spaces and, and maintaining sacred spaces? Absolutely. I give honor and praise to each and every one of you who are fighting this battle. And at first, I want to give honor and praise and a prayer from Ogu that help, will help to fight the battle and bring everything to justice, we hope. When one is powerful and sufficiently great to stand before death, <clears throat> one who makes human beings prosperous, one who is not enriched by a wound will find it difficult to get sacrificial colonists. A wound enriching, a wound the powerful one, the strong one of the earth, the strong one of uh, the great one of the other world, the protector of those who are being in. A wound supports a shit. May a wound bring his power, may he bring and cut away any and all things that are not in alignment with those who are fighting on the behalf of justice, on the behalf of keeping alive culture and the spirit of our ancestors. May we slice them away, cut them away, and cut anything that will not help our people to grow and expand and evolve. And so I say like on behalf of those who practice the traditional spirituality from anything from Bubu to Ifa, Louisiana will be any of the spiritual traditions of our people, that it's important for us all to be a part of this movement as well. For this, in this movement, Congo Square, we also find that we hold the, the, the traditions of our, of our spiritual systems there. The ancestors who were there hold these, these memories and, and all of the wisdom and knowledge of these traditions there. And so I believe that from the space or the standpoint of those of us who are in ATR, that this is a sacred space. And we know how important sacred space is to those of us that practice the tradition. It is a place that we can honor. It's a place that we have to hold divine, uh, uh, like a divine place, a divine spirit, divine everything within us in order for us to preserve that which has come before for the people. Our elders, our ancestors, they, they've fought this fight and they've kept these traditions alive for us to now be forward with them all. And so Congo Square holds that value. It holds that premise. It is a sacred place for us all. And so on behalf of those who practice uh, ATR, I hope that more and more and more Babalao, Iyanifa, any of the priests will be involved with this. Anytime that any of us come from out of town, that is one of the places that we all kind of, that we all go to because it's important that we are all honoring our ancestors and honoring all of the traditions that are present. And so on behalf of those who practice ATR, I hope that many of us will get involved somehow and to assist in the movement with all of these warriors who are present today, all of our divine mothers, our divine feminine, to uh, 
you know, to move forward with this. So I hope that this prayer will be helpful in manifestation of the fight. Ogun in Africa is the Orisha that they, they don't put their hands on the They put their hands on the sword of Ogun. And so let us put our hands on the sword of Ogun, that Ogun will cut away anything and anyone meant to do harm to us, our culture, our ancestors, or anyone at anything that is in alignment with that which is not not good for our, for our people. I say, I say, I stand in a firm and in an agreement. And for some of you that speak another language, where two or more in, are, 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 I shall be in the midst, where two or more are gathered, I shall be in the midst of them. Where two or more touch and agree, we can create and recreate power. We certainly appreciate you, Nina Lloyd. And, and if you will, uh, copy and paste uh, Mayor Cantrell at NOLA.gov. Mayor Cantrell, C-A-N-T-R-E-L-L at NOLA.gov and write her. Also, uh, get on your Google, get on your Bing, find out the city council members and also email and write them as well. I also put uh, 1300 Perdido Street, second floor, New Orleans, Louisiana. I believe that zip code is 70130. I think that's the zip code. I think, I think it might be 70116. 70116. Possibly. 70116. Um, so it should make its way there. Um, I asked any of my co-hosts, Ossetia, you, you seem to be on the move. Did you have something you wanted to say and, and share? Um, I, I wanted, first of all, I want to thank the, uh, um, the brother that offered the prayer to Ogun. And I want to inform you we do have some uh, participants, some Baba Lao, some priests who have done some reading and are doing some work, some spiritual work on our behalf. So we can meet all, all those who can work on the other side because we recognize that this is going to take like, a combined effort yeah. in order for us to be uh, successful. It's extremely important. And also, my last point, uh, when we talk about the different states, it goes beyond just being Congo Square and it's played African. Right. For the indigenous people, the Chittimachak, the Chatao, the Homa, and other names that we don't even know to this indigenous people or black people. Yeah. Prior to enslaved Africans coming, it was a sacred space for their festivals, their gathering spaces, they buried their dead. But this is also a first people sacred space as well as what our African ancestors. But keep it in mind, I relate to the indigenous people as being my ancestors as well. My family Cherokee, I'm a member of the Washita Imperial Nation, and it is important that this entire space does not get desperate. And power of strange people. They really believe that they have privilege to decide in the name of urban renewal to do what they think is best for us. And uh, I just I just get thanks that uh Brian Prince that you have this outreach of people throughout the entire world to call their suggestions and what is going on. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Well, indeed, I'm, I'm honored, 
and, and appreciative to be able to provide a platform um, where we can expand our reach. So I'm grateful. Can I just say one thing? I would like for all of us all over the world to think of our neighborhoods, particularly black neighborhoods, as our black space and think of our neighborhoods as sacred space. More often than not, black people take what's given to them any kind of way, and we don't think of our neighborhoods as places to be cherished. I would ask that we rethink how we think our environment and think of those environments, no matter how they look at this point, as sacred spaces. And when we change how we think about our environments and the environments for black people, then I think our lives will change. So thank you for having us on. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I'm grateful to be able to provide the space to do so. Um, my cousin, Osan. Osan, beloved, did you have a comment or something you wanted to share? I do. I'm all of the distinguished guests on the panel today. Um. In listening to everything, um, it is sad to hear, but I do feel good knowing and seeing everyone coming together to do things. Um, the only comment I would like to add as I sit here and listen and I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm listening and I'm feeling the energy, I will say that um, everything that's going on as far as the petitioning, and the process and what, what Divine Prince is doing here on his platform, all of that people bring in the plans, awareness, even old plans that they thought was deleted, all of that is good. The only thing that I encourage you to add is whatever gatherings are being planned to bring attention to her, especially if it's going to be a gathering outside of the current city hall, if it's going to be a gathering in the locations or in any of the locations that she, that the plans um, have involved. I just feel that um, a lot of the things, use every, every tool that we have at our disposal. We have a lot of powerful weapons that even some, some of us have forgotten about. What am I speaking to? Music. When you have those protests, when you gather in those places, you want to call your ancestors, you get out there in them spaces that they want to tear down. You don't just speak. You get some drummers out there. And I am telling you that I was told to tell you to play. You want your ancestors to show up and show out? You get them drummers out there. You have them play. The whole time you see him, it should be something beating in your background. Call to them and you tell them this is not a time for no one to stay silent. They need to rise up, show up, and show out. And you beat those drums and beat those drums and beat those drums. So when them people go to sleep at night, all they hear is drums. And when they wake up, they just want to get away from the drums. Because everywhere they go, everywhere they sleep, everywhere they nap, everything they think, they'll be talking and the word drum will come out their mouth. Drum, play. They said, play. I and say, we will come. I say. For real. And I'm going to add to that. Real. 
I want to add to that as well that uh, on Sunday during the Congo Square gathering, uh, Luther invited the mayor to come and dance in Congo Square. He, he's assured that if she's in that space and she's a part of that rhythm and she feels that energy, that there's no way that she can continue to move in the way that she's moving. So again, Mayor Cantrell, beloved Mayor Cantrell, we're offering you the open invitation to come on down and, and, and join us and be a part of this that we're fighting so strongly for. You know, next Sunday, you know, we'll make space for you. You'll be safe in that space, but come and feel the rhythm, be a part of the vibration, be a part of the energy, hear the voices, and, and, and feel the heartbeats of the community. It's an open invitation, and, and we invite her to, to do so. Um, Cheryl, did you have more that you wanted to say or offer? And I want to welcome my mom. Greetings, mom. Thank you so much for being with us. I love it when my mom shows up. <laughs> Greetings to your queen mother. Greetings, mama. Cheryl? Cheryl is frozen. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Her screen is frozen. Um, I'd like to say something. Thank you, possible. Morgan. Thank you, Morgan. Yes. Thank you. And thank you, Otun, uh, for that beautiful, beautiful encouragement and call to action because it is so true. The music will call the spirits and will, will make this move. Um, I'd also like to say for Mayor Cantrell, you know, some of her public comments have been, and her administration's comments, have said they think this is an investment in the neighborhood. They think it will be wonderful for the culture. Um, and one thing that we can do for her is to say, obviously, no, that's not the legacy you want to leave. But you could leave a wonderful legacy by reinvesting in that space as it was intended to be used. So as we oppose, we also need to be for something. And to give her um, that space to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. I can change. I can do better. I can listen to the people. I can come to the neighborhood. I can be part of this. So, yeah, I, I, I really think that's a strong message as well. And I also want to um, send my... Uh, you know, my thoughts out to Black Hawk because the spirit of Black Hawk was so much a part of our growing up um, and the spiritual churches in the quarter on Burgundy Street and in the Treme um, that we don't see much of anymore. So I thank you, Divine Prince Ty, for being, you know, being there because that is, that is again, um, a loss that we now have you to thank for, for reviving that. And thank you so much. Thank you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And, and I do it all for the community. It, it's never about me. It's not about me elevating myself. It's not about me being seen. It's indeed for the community and the heartbeat and, and the blood that flows through this community still to this day. I also believe we need to acknowledge those, those, re, those um, residents, and ancestors who are no longer in the neighborhood, who, who already got pushed out, who already sold their property, or, or may indeed be ancestors on the other side who, who are now watching what's left 
of their cultural footprint be encroached upon. So indeed, we call on Black Hawk. Indeed, we call on St. Milo, uh, the, the Maroon. Indeed, we call on those freedom fighters and those warriors that Osetua uh, invoked just a while ago to stand with us and to fight with us. And indeed, it's in the blood, it's in the ritual, it's in the drumming, it's in the dance. But as Morgan suggests, it's in taking action, doing something more than just signing the petition, doing something more than just, you know, symbolic references. We need to be actively involved uh, in, in this fight, in this movement. Um, Cheryl is back with us. She's no longer frozen. Did you have something you wanted to say, Cheryl? Yeah, my mic is back on now. Um my mother church because I've lived at that site. Those people are still here. The spirit and our ancestors that um congregated in Congo Square. Um as a child I didn't know what I felt something. To still be living in Tremaine, to still be fighting a fight that should have been won years ago, they will not, they will not let us rest. We can't rest. A fair, equitable resolution is given. And that's all that we're asking. No one needs to be sitting in the footprint of a compound of political activity day in and day out. It is just not the way people are supposed to be living. And Congo Square definitely is not the place for the winter set. It's always been trampled on. Outside of Congo Square, the Sixth Ward Trump has been trampled on. We are fighting the short-term rentals right now. We've always fought just to have economic development. Tremé has been redlined for 10 years when our culture was here. It's been redlined out to the French. Our ancestors won't let us rest. Sometimes it just scares me when I feel like something jumped in my body and I'm like, why me? Give it to somebody else. Why us? Because we're here. We feel them. We live with them. And Divine, you have been a good and beautiful person. I hope your mom knows how special you are. Well, I know she knows how special you are. Yeah. It's, you're here on this podcast helping us to move um, this information forward. And I feel so blessed, and I am so thankful for everyone, especially the people that we're working with, to stop the mayor from relocating it, um, at the Municipal Auditorium. You know, um, we can't stop, you know, um, but the decision as to what is going to be settled there, that's what needs to stop once and for all. We can't keep going back and forth another 60 years as to what should actually happen there. Okay. And our culture should be celebrated. That's what should actually happen there. So thank you, and thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, anyone else on the panel um, have any more commentary? You're moving. Thank you. <laughs> anyone else on the panel have any more uh, commentary uh, you would like to share, you would offer? I know you said you would only be here an hour, but it seems like we all have stayed a little bit, you know, past that. And, I, and I'm grateful. I, I, I told Cheryl I wanted to give you all 
uh, as much time and space as you need. Uh, when they're done and they're ready to uh, disperse, I'm going to share um, a video uh, about Treme uh, called it's, it's a Treme doctor documentary called Entry, and it's set about a decade, maybe a little bit more ago, uh, and, it, and it's talking about exactly what we're talking about now: the, the encroachment on the culture, the com- encroachment on Treme, the disbursement of the, of the residents that that have held the culture together uh, in this community. It even goes into detail about Airbnbs and how that has affected us uh, in this community. And I'm going to play that uh, towards the end after my panel um, and guests. And, of course, we've answered all your questions, comments, uh, and requests. So, Cheryl and and Amy and Alcetua, it's really your platform. When you're ready, please, you know, offer your peace and blessings and and, and you're free to move on with your with your daily schedule, and then I'll play the video. All right. Well, I'm on the road, so I will offer my peace and blessings and thanks to everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, uh, Divine Prince, I pass your house all the time. Now I know who you are. Uh, I have hollered at you because you've had on some, some outfits that I admire. <laughs> so glad to finally meet you. Uh, not in person, but that'll come soon. And thank you, audience, for listening to us. And please help us if you can. And with that, I'm going to sign off and get back on the road. Thank you kindly. We appreciate you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace and blessings. Peace. Um, Asetua, yes. Cheryl. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I'm on the road. I just want to let the audience know they recognize that this fight that we're fighting is happening all throughout the United States. There's so many examples of neighborhoods where people are so we recognize that we're not alone and we just appreciate uh, having space to put what our struggle is into the cosmic so that the energy can break and unite with other struggles that are happening in the United States, in the world, recognize that in New Orleans, this is only one small in a big list of fights. But we are focused on this particular one.
because somebody has got to pick up the mantle and somebody has to fight. And uh, I give thanks. And I know that he will be victorious. He will be victorious. Yeah. Uh, because, like I said before, who got the power? We got the power. We got the power. Thank you so much for being with us, Ossetalot. Enjoy your day, brother. Go ahead, Cheryl, and then Morgan. So we, we do have a follow-up meeting at 4 o'clock today. Oh, oh, go ahead, Cheryl. I'm going to go ahead and say we do have a follow-up meeting at 4 o'clock today, so I am going to have to get off. Um, I do thank everyone once again for being part of the podcast. And if you are in New Orleans this long weekend, we have an event. Some drums will be beaded. They'll be beaded on on Saturday um, at Tuesday Square. So Saturday we'll be out there passing out information by the mayor to be stopped relocating to the municipal auditorium. That's um, at St. Philip. And not Robinson in the heart of Trinity. So um, if you all would like to come out and just congregate, talk, discuss, music, food, and advocacy. That's what it's about. Thank you all. Thank you. And that's Tuba Fat Square, the historic Tuba Fat Square, this Saturday. Thank you so much for that, uh, Cheryl. Um, Morgan, yes. did you have any closing words, Morgan? Yes, I did. And, and thanks again for allowing us, us to be with you and your, your audience today. Um, and absolutely, um, we do need everybody's prayers and their letters to Mayor Cantrell at NOAA.gov. The more people she hears from directly is going to make a difference. So take that five minutes. And writer, your thoughts. Um, I can't stress enough how important that is. Um, again, and so we look forward to seeing everybody. We are trying to keep this issue out in public uh, because the fast track is on uh, at any show. So we're going to need to stop this pretty quickly. Um, so we hope to see you at Tuba Fat Square and in the universe. And thank you again. Thank you, Kylie. We appreciate you. Um, Cousins, Oloye, uh, Otan, do you have any final words before I move on to the video? Uh, Not really. Just that I, I, again, I reiterate the hope that those in the African traditional spirituality uh, uh, genre, that we will all, and, and, and also I was thinking all of the churches, all of the mosques, all of the other spiritual uh, affiliations that are out there to all see the importance behind maintaining this area and behind the spiritual connotation of this area and our ancestors as well in all of the different um, cultures and communities there that everybody take part and everybody really uh, get down with this so that we can save aspects of our culture, save our culture, save our ancestors, save that which you know uh, uh, they worked so hard to 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 do for us. Let us all get in together and, and get in this fight. May we may we clear the way.
May he bring his power and his might to this fight. And may all of what he endure, what he brings forth, may it all manifest. And who you in the I'm Otan, did you have any last comments? And then I'm going to move on to the video. Um, I, I guess the only thing I'm going to say um, is that today has been powerful. I definitely have some people that I'm going to reach out to and pass this information along. Um, I, I just want to encourage everyone to continue the work. Uh, you know, in the church, uh, they say uh, faith without works is dead. That's why our ancestors are shaking, jumping, and moving, uh, Mama Charles, because they're saying, okay, we're going to show up, but you got to do a little something, too. We can't just sit back and go, I'm going to just pray. My ancestors are going to get them. You better get your behind up off that couch and shake your shimmy right along with them. It's the time for sitting back and watching is over. Either you're going to do something or you're going to hush and sit down and get out of the way. But when you sit down, you can't say nothing either. So they're letting us know, we here. Are you here? Are you ready to stand like they are? Because they done showed up, showed out, and some of them gave their lives fighting. Not to say that that's the extent that you need to go, but you need to show them that you're willing to get where they are and, and that you're willing to meet them with their work and push from this side if they're pushing from that side. So let's push together, meet in the middle, and get this done. I do believe it's going to be successful. Let me back that up. It will be successful. And that's another part in changing our mindset. Stop using the word if. It will be possibility of failure. Say when. Okay? So when this is done, then it will be a time for rejoicing. And oh, beat them drums whether she doesn't show up or not. Whether she there or not, if she's good, great. If she's not, beat them even harder. There you go. That's all I have to say. Love to everybody. Love to you all. I'm and I'm I'm going to beat out the drums because the people that was on here today, we feel you all, and the ones that uh, were also co-hosts, we really have no other choice. I stand on the shoulders of Mr. Jim Hayes that stopped the last couple of blocks from being destroyed. I really have no other choice. And as a kid walking through Congress where my mom tried to wear us out, we laid in Congo Square, looked up at the stars, not realizing where we were at. It was years later. I had no other choice. And this is all. I'll move, I'll jump, I'll holler. Matter of fact, before getting on a podcast, show you how the Lord bless you. I've met with Miss Allison Calmer. She worked with the mayor. She was at the Tremier Center to remind her. The first conversation I had with you was about the destruction of those blocks over there. And now you're telling me the mayor say this is where she wants to go, this is where City Hall has to be. She never lived in Trendy. Otherwise, she wouldn't, she wouldn't even think like that. It is a magical place. It's a hard place, but it's a magical place. Everything in Trendy was so organic from the beginning with the slaves congregating on a rampart right there, across from the original city. All the redlining, all the, the bad talk about don't cross, don't go over there, you're going to get killed. We're still here. We have not left, and I doubt if we will be leaving. But the politicians are only here for a short time. 
she won't even she won't even be in office to enjoy that building. It's gonna take four to five years. So who are you relocating for? It's not for us, because I'm t- we told you we don't want it there. We told you before you conceived the idea or the idea was put into your head and mind, what we wanted to see at that site, our culture to flourish, our stories to be told, our history to be appreciated. And we're not sorry that you understand it. We just don't want you there. We understand it. So jump in me. I love the second line. I love to hear the drums beat. In the middle of the night when I'm sleeping, and the okay. second line comes through and they say, oh, somebody just died? Yeah. Yeah. I had no problem with that. My mom was like that, too. So <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it, I and I really either. appreciate you all sending out that love to us. We will be victorious. Yeah. With the help of the Lord, we will be. I say. And with the help of our ancestors in our families that stand by us. So thank you all once again, and um, I'm playing hold to myself at 4 o'clock, so I do have to leave, but thank you again, and hopefully we can meet in person. I'm right here in Crimea, I'm down the street from Tide, right across the street from the um, Armstrong Park at the back of the Mahalia Jackson building, so... All you have to do is walk in for me. You'll probably see me. Yeah. We're grateful for you, Cheryl. Thank you so much. And, and I'm with you. I, I got a set of clothes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm with you. I have a set of clothes that I'm ready to jump into when I hear that brass band coming at 10 o'clock or at night or 1 o'clock in the morning. I'll be out there. So I, I'm with you on that, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Yes. I'm now going to share, um, and for some of you, reshare a video that I played uh, around 1030 this morning before Thank uh, you. the Thank broadcast. You. And it is called, uh, Treme, it's a Treme doc- documentary called Entry. John Mitchell says he wrote the song Down and the Treme on these steps. Now, if you've heard the song, the song is about the energy and the culture the vibrancy, kids running through the street, music playing till 2 in the morning. It was so inspirational. Well, like the house, that's no longer here. That energy is now gone. Over the course of 30 minutes, we asked what happened to Treme and how does the culture thrive in a neighborhood that some say has died? <laughs>
The black man of labor has played it for more than 25 years after the death of famed musician Danny Parker. He believed in upholding the traditional jazz standard. Danny single-handedly cultivated the traditional brass band music because it was it was dying. Danny said, if we don't teach these young guys how to play this music, through attrition, we're going to lose. And as tradition of habit, the social aid and pleasure club second line for a silver tray, considered sacred ground to many. But when the music slows down during the dirge, morning is sweet. The parade would tumble down the street, and remembering the death of a friend, loved one, musician, or public figure. Others mourning the death of a neighborhood. From Esplanade to St. Louis, brought to North Rampart, Chimay is considered ground zero for culture and activism in America. The oldest integrated neighborhood, free people of color thrive with more than 80% owning land in Chimay during slavery in the Deep South. It's home to one of the earliest known civil rights movements in the South, dating back to the 19th century. The residents formed the Citizens Committee, selecting Treme resident Cole Plessy to directly challenge segregated railroad car laws in Louisiana. Plessy versus Ferguson relate to the separate but equal doctrine we know as Jim Crow laws. And businesses line the streets of Cleveland Avenue, providing a solid economic base for Treme. And then there's the music. From Louis Armstrong playing in the red light district known as Storyville and Jazz Clarinetist Alphonse Picou to Benny Jones striking up with the Tremaine Brass Band and Trombone Shorty picking up his first horn, Jazz was born on these streets and passed down from generation to generation. I can remember seeing Trombone Shorty and his, his widow and his little brass man in diapers uh, playing on Shorty. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, playing on plastic trombones and beating on pots and boxes. Musicians, educators, artists, craftsmen, political activists, all would find themselves immersed in one of New Orleans' first suburbs, the neighborhood that was the multicultural epicenter of New Orleans. Including Herman Ruffin. Musically, do you think New Orleans would be what it is without Trine? I'm quite sure that Trine contributes at least 65 to 75% of this culture uh, as far as jazz is concerned. The birthplace of jazz New Orleans. Trine brought the world-renowned musician to the neighborhood when he was just 18 years old, just a few miles down from the Lower Ninth Ward. I fell in love with it, and I never went back to a little lecture. I wanted to wake up in the heart of uh, Treme, where the music was real popular, real vibrant. I mean, on any given day, it would look like Mardi Gras at 9 in the morning. What is Treme right now? Treme was um, one of the best neighborhoods in America. Why do you say that? Because all the Jews have been 
the trimming more than the building of the I-10. North Claiborne was home to a bustling business district. It was estimated more than 120 businesses ran along the corridor and hundreds of oak trees. But to build the highway, the state took over several properties along Claiborne between Tulane and St. Bernard Avenue. Some refer to it as the monster. The building of the I-10 overpass over North Claiborne sent the business district into economic decline. Today, only a few dozen businesses still stand. Charbonnet Fuel Home is one of them, sitting along Claiborne Avenue since 
Germany residents were fed up. Then the state comes along with Claiborne Street, wipes out our businesses. Uh, the park comes along, takes away all our businesses, and what happens to us? We get unemployment. The Jamaican Community Improvement Association formed in 1969, fighting back against further destruction or displacement in this historic neighborhood under the guise of urban renewal. But it was too late. Historians estimate more than 400 families were now scattered throughout the city. The place was torn up, broke and displaced. Overnight. Ooh. And with the bulldozer. That would not happen to any other neighborhood where we government. It's still traumatic for the community and for people who have family here. So when that happens, you lost some of the all the beautiful architectural architecture buildings and and bars and houses. Construction projects and urban renewal left the community scrambling to hold on to the fabric that made it a community. And then the perfect storm opened the floodgates to a new wave of issues, leaving Jamaica clinging onto what's left of its culture. Owned by investors not living in New Orleans. 
Of that number, 289 are entire homes or apartments. But within this block, within the close proximity of Charbonnet Funeral Homes, how many Airbnbs do you think there are? Oh, it must be uh, 10 or 12. Just, the, just, just within the block? Just within the block, across the street. And what I was saying was about 10 years old, people would come in, they come in, they go gentrify it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? The gentrifiers have been gentrified. <laughs> For John Boutte, the higher cost of living in Jermaine post-Katrina discouraged him from returning to the neighborhood. He now lives in La Pone, some 45 miles outside of New Orleans. I didn't want to pay that much money for the housing that which I grew up around and I knew the real value of those. Well, the danger of losing its identity as the oldest black subdivision in the, in the United States. The makeup of Tremaine has shifted dramatically. In 2000, Tremaine was 92.4% black and 4.9% white. The latest census numbers show it now being 62.8% black and 28.2% white. The value of the property and versus the incomes has not kept pace. Folk cannot continue to earn seven fifty an hour and the price of rent is around fifteen hundred dollars a month. It just doesn't work. Al Jackson has lived in Tremaine for decades. We've got a, a multi-billion dollar tourist industry. Why are folks still earning less than eight bucks an hour? How much money do you really need? Still, Jackson is not critical of those investing in Tremaine. So you're not opposed to it. No, no, no. Why not? Why shouldn't it be? No one says you can't do this. What they're saying is, get like your duck and do it. They have a lot of history. The change is music to the ears of Adolf and Nigel Biden. We feel it's just new regulations. I'm not, we're not against it. We just feel like it should have been regulated a long time ago. It got out of control. And that's when I think the developers came here to advantage of it. The couple started investing in the Jermaine neighborhood years before home prices soared. This neighborhood was all blighted. They had no one living in it except the corner house. There was a drug culture here. And um, people spoke of Treme as the taboo place to go. And in effort to change that culture, Brian got houses on his block. It's a studio apartment, several of them. Revitalized them and put them on the market for rent. Would you have wondered that revitalization for the people who were native to this this community? Definitely. How do we get them back here? Well, for one thing, I think that we got to start now. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of it is home ownership. You know, part of that is people not having the knowledge mm -hmm. and the vision about properties and not having the help to do it. I mean, this is the movie that put New Orleans on the map around the world. Mm -hmm. And that's something Fred Johnson has worked 30 years to change. I was fortunate enough to help a couple of people buy in Trimmy. Johnson is now the CEO of the Neighborhood Development Foundation, helping low to moderate income earners in New Orleans achieve the dream of home ownership. Because you live there 40 years and pay rent 40 years, that don't mean you own it. He says skyrocketing rent left those living in Tremay powerless. Because it's like this. This locomotive is just running over, and it's called economics. So 
they try to make it work as best they can until they can't make it work no more. Then they have to move on. See, so much remains in danger of losing its soul. I don't know if that's the soul. But the soul that you may have lost in the fight to keep the culture going here goes on. As a dirge of the RG, it's appealing to session. A Jackson keeps the flame burning in the Petite Jazz Museum. It delivers my, my small contribution to the culture, to hope that the culture uh, can be maintained from the, from the minority perspective. Don't keep trying to keep that going, it's particularly the cultural identity. Those closest to Tremaine say they've seen all sorts of storms, but none that washed away the city or its culture. We're still here, we're still playing music, and it's not going to ever go away. Not completely, that's for sure. While the demographics of Jermaine may have changed, you can't deny that cultural energy. It's like it rises out of the asphalt, like the second lines that pass through the streets to this day. With musicians like Comic Ruffin, John Boutte, and Benny Jones carrying that torch, there's no way that Jermaine's life will ever die. Thanks for watching Jermaine, Death of a Neighborhood, Survival of a Culture. Thank you. That was great. I appreciate you all's time. You're on mute. Thank you. That was great. I appreciate you all's time and dedication to it. Um, Absolutely. My community leaders should have sat through that video, but they've probably already seen it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the audience, uh, those who were in the chat, at least 21, 22 people um, actually watched most of that video. A few just left in just in the last five minutes. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a great broadcast. It went much longer than I expected because I was prepared for us to have to fill a whole another hour after them. Uh, but they actually went all the way to 1.30, and I, I thought that was good. Uh, and this is going to be an archive. It'll be rebroadcast. We can all share it, download it, reshare it again. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. a part, it's a part of the archive now for those of us fighting against this move. And so Absolutely. that's why I was so grateful to be able to, to do this and, and to share it in this way, in this space. So I appreciate you all. I'm going to move forward. I do have appointments even before this meeting and then right after this meeting. Uh, so my, my, day, yeah, my day is overwhelming. Thank you, Otan. You always bring the fire, beloved. It's in our blood. (laughs) You know, you all balance me out because you all give me an opportunity to sort of maintain my diplomacy. And then Otan always brings that fire. And then Oloye always brings that that wisdom, you know, of someone much older than he is. You you speak like an 80-year-old or or a 90-year-old <laughs> in, in the best way possible. So together, we make a powerful combination. And, and we all blew it. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and some of my community, if you didn't realize, got an opportunity to see that. Many of them may never seen my mama before. Many, many of them may never seen my family before. You know, they kind of think I just showed up in town 
you know, 25 years ago from, from the sky, and, and they don't really know a lot about my background story. So this was more, more powerful for me personally than, than you might imagine. And, and hopefully for you as well, because you all are now part of my community. Uh, sure. yeah, I always said I wanted to visit New Orleans, and now to see that people are trying to tear it up, I'm like, oh, no, honey, not before I yeah. get there yeah. <laughs> and see what's going on. I had to pop in. I, I, I came on, and I looked, and I left out, and I came back. I said, wait, look at his day. <laughs> yeah. I had to double check like that. Okay, now, now this is a sign. <laughs> this is a sign. If you ever see me look like this, it means I'm, 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 no, it means I'm filming a movie, oh, okay. a movie, okay. a TV show, a documentary. So I'm, I'm actually filming a horror movie right now. So it's okay. not, okay. it's not very historical, but I'm also one of the writers, so I was able to oh, write cool. in a little bit of history, you know, into this movie and, and particularly, and particularly around my character. Uh, so I'm going to represent Bois Coupe, B R A S hyphen C-O-U-P-E, Bois-Coupe. And he was mm-hmm. a, a famous enslaved African um, who kept escaping. He, he was a maroon. Kept it. And a lot of people don't know this about our culture. Uh, St. Milo and many other maroons would escape and then build these camps out in New Orleans East, but then would show up for their job, you know, and steal supplies, steal resources, carry mail back and forth. And then would go back out into the swamps again. Um, subsequently, you know, they were caught, they were trapped, you know, over time. And Bois Coupe lost one, of, they cut off one of his arms, mm-hmm. which, which is what his name means, Bois Coupe, or the one arm. And he still continued to run. And so the legends around him, in my opinion, he was the first um, Loa or Orisha born out of our community right mm. here in this soil because he okay. became legendary. So, so the stories were that he couldn't be killed. He couldn't be burnt. He, he, he couldn't mm-hmm. be lynched. He couldn't be drowned. And he would keep coming back. So after several events of that, you know, subsequently they, they killed him and many others and beheaded them in Jack, what we now know as Jackson Square, a mm-hmm. major tourist hub. Also, you may may not know, um, that area right in front of St. Louis Cathedral is the only place where psychic readers don't need any kind of license, but have been given permission by the city to continue to set up there. So mm-hmm. that keeps that energy and those spirits and those ancestors stirred up. So mm-hmm. on June 19th, when many are celebrating Juneteenth, I'm acknowledging St. Milo and many other Maroon leaders being executed and beheaded in, in that space. And, and I bring mm-hmm. the voodoo there. I bring Baron Sam B there. Uh, and it's become quite popular. I have a very popular video on my YouTube channel of, of us doing that ceremony in, in Jackson okay. Square. So it's okay. a lot of history here. It's a lot of power and energy here. I think it's more than what anybody can imagine from just tourism or watching the videos. You've really got to talk to people like me and Denise Augustine and, and the former mm-hmm. guests that were on the show to really understand what we're standing on here. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea that they can ignore it, and we know they're not ignoring it. They're actively trying to, as Neophyte Bocourt said, bring it to extinction. Yes. And, and, and make it yes. a myth, you know, that we'll just tell our grandchildren, well, once upon a time, 
you know, this this is a historic, the first free black community in America, and that story is being slowly wiped out, slowly degraded. And they're bringing our own to do their dirty work. Some of the thievings that are just too willing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people feel we should embrace Mayor Cantrell. She's our first female mayor ever. She's obviously our first black female mayor ever. Uh, and many still feel, but we, we should embrace her. It's really not her fault. You know, she's just a puppet. But she has the power and the position right now to bring this to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. Even if she just left the administration that's going to follow her handling, she has an opportunity right now on her watch to bring it to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. So th- that's my issue with her. You know, you know, she handpicked a certain quote unquote cultural committee, you know, when she was a- inaugurated and almost immediately they started moving in on some of these ideas. So mm-hmm. yeah, I-, I have a problem with her. I think we should bring it to city hall, not at five o'clock, not at six o'clock, but in the broad daylight when they're actually in those offices. Uh, some here locally have even suggested, and this still may happen, that we show up at her house and, as Otan said, make a great deal of joyful noise unto <laughs> 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 uh, the ancestors, you know, at her mm-hmm. house. This really needs to be brought to her on a personal level. Now, a more passive diplomatic way, because Luther is sort of the mayor of Congo Square, is to invite her to come and dance with us on Sunday in Congo Square. But as a voodoo priest, I think that's very powerful, mm-hmm. you know, for her to do that. And there'll be many other practitioners, not just myself, that would be in that space with all of us directing Ashe at her, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes. know, and, and all the ancestors yes. standing around us watching, you know, mm-hmm. and pushing things forward. So I think that's a, a viable invitation that he's made. And I hope she does show up, you know, but as Otan said, even if she don't, We've got to bring it to her doorstep. We've got to bring it to the city council's doorstep. And and we've done a powerful job here today with this digital media that will go into archive forever. Hopefully they're putting on different websites and stuff that will uh, assist in speaking to to the community leaders that you had on here and the organizations and, and everything. So hopefully this will be the impetus to begin even more communication and more dialogue yeah, of what you need done. Wash your hands, nasty. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, Otan, that's becoming a routine. Even even the timing of it has it's now becoming a routine. <laughs> and I keep telling I'm sorry, because my refrigerator open and I hear things come out. But I'm I keep, but I but but I keep telling people I, I, our children are far more intuitive and empathic and tuned in than we think. Mm-hmm. Now, now remember, O'Toole, this is the second day, around the same exact time, that you've had to say wash your hands. The, the last time he's coming out of the bathroom. This time, he in the refrigerator. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time to change. Yes. 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 We're too today. Yes. And we need to bring the children in. You know, the children also here locally on the ground. You know, many of our marching bands, our marching crews, the high school uh, bands, it wouldn't be no Mardi Gras parades in the white neighborhood on St. Charles Avenue without these black schools and universities 
providing the band members, providing the dancers. Them young girls be out there 14, 15 in a leotard, and they don't they don't care how cold it is because mm-hmm. it's Mardi Gras day. Everybody's mm-hmm. hot Mardi Gras day, you know. Mm-hmm. So they be out there and and they walk five miles from uptown to Canal Street and, and then down to Magazine Street where the new Mardi Gras, uh, it's like a Mardi Gras center. It's, it's a huge building where they can go indoors and then mm-hmm. they parade again indoors. And then some of the parades go the opposite direction to the Superdome and then they go inside and then they parade inside. I mean, these wow. kids is doing major jobs for Mardi mm-hmm. Gras, you know, elementary school, junior high, high mm-hmm. school. And they got to be out there at 3.30 in the morning, you know, because some of the first parades, you know, start rolling right about 8. And to mobilize that many people in a city that has an extra few million people, Mm -hmm. just like Brazil, standing around, yeah, you got to start early. I often don't sleep Mardi Gras night at all, at all. I'm either working on my Mardi Gras Indian suit, you know, or trying to help people secure their parking space because they know what's about to happen, you know, the next day. And then as soon as the sun is up, even before the sun is up, people are out. People mm-hmm. are in front of your house, making noise, blowing horns. The skull and bones are, are, are waking up your, your children and scaring them into doing the right thing and, and staying in school, you know. <laughs> and then as the sun come up, the baby dolls are out there, the older ladies in the baby dolls are just twirling and gyrating and acting all sexual like, like Gedei and stuff. Who are the baby dolls? The baby dolls are an older group of women. Now, now there are children, but it, but traditionally it was older women. It's a throwback to Storyville, the red light okay. district. Um, so they are showing homage to the former sex workers, the former prostitutes and pimps. You know the, the red light district. Now, now people might who don't live here might find that weird, but the red light district was owned and controlled by the Catholic Church. Okay. Okay. And often the resources and and, and whatnot came from the Catholic Church. And and at that time, we weren't allowed to be a part of Carnival at all. There were no black people in Carnival. And two, it was against the law for black people to cover their face back then. So, So us masking originally was an act of revolution, an act of revolt. I'll act of going against the rules, and, and the Indians would mask up. You can't see who is what. You don't know who is what. Even me, I'm six foot tall, but I'm closer to eight feet tall on Mardi Gras Day. And I make sure my crown gives that illusion where you're really confused as to how big I am. My neighbors across the street see me standing on my suit Mardi Gras Day in my suit and say, man, it was an Indian on, on your front suit. Who was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, yeah, yeah. So, 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 the baby dolls, you know, again, the Catholic Church, the baby dolls were, you know, short, 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 breast, you know, out, um, gyrating, acting sexual, you know, jumping, and, and they represent the joy coming in the morning, the sun rising. They represent the ancestors and the youth that are coming through. Okay. You know, in, in Voodoo, we say the pits of Matan, the ancestors are going up, and the, and the, the Arisha or the Loa are coming down, and that's who the baby dolls are. Uh, they also show up during the year sometimes at festivals, weddings, uh, 
community events. And again, they bring the joy. They bring the, the blessing of, of both the, the little children, but also mm-hmm. the old, old elders of our community. We have baby dolls that are in their 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. My cousin Merlene is 68. Um, okay. oh, Denise Augustine is 68. Is, I saw you do a video on your, on your page. Um, is that, it was, a, it was a lady holding a baby, and she had on uh, like, I don't know. It looked like a satin outfit that she had on. It was like teal. A baby doll outfit. Uh-huh. Is that what that is? That's where it what that is. around the, the, the knees and she was holding the baby. She had a little umbrella. Right. She had a little baby doll head on top of her umbrella. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a baby doll. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, she was like actually holding the baby because the baby oh, was okay. just, just like her, like her daughter yeah. or something. Yeah. But I was like, it's hot. Why she got on satin? Yeah. So I just was like, oh, what's that? But the colors was bright, so I knew it was something. Yeah, and then her and her daughter was like, the Doubleman twins. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. Because I just remember a little umbrella. And it wasn't a regular umbrella. You know, them little, you know. Yeah. It was the baby umbrella. Yeah. And she had, yeah. So I was like, oh, what is that? Yeah. And I, so now I know. Cause I saw that in a video, and you was, you were somewhere doing like a prayer. Right, I was doing a libation and invoking the ancestors. We yes, were, you were. Okay, so that's we yes, were doing right. a ceremony. Oh, we were doing a ceremony called the blessing of the street. And, tradi- yes, and traditionally, yeah. traditionally, it's done before carnival starts. But it was, mm-hmm. it was late this year because of the COVID regulations. Um, but our, our goal is to bless the street to ensure that the black masking community. The first time I heard that, I thought somebody was like, not on me. I, I was about to just be like, I know there ain't somebody in your audience that don't like that. Yeah, that's my phone. I never knew it was a, 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 a app, like a thing for your phone. I thought somebody was talking to you crazy the first time I heard it. I'm looking around like, who in detail? Yeah, it's a ring. And, and that was that. Yeah. But but let me finish. Um, so, so the idea is to bless the streets, obviously, for our protection, for our safety. I already told you how many thousands of people, you know, be on the street during carnival, often masked up in costume. You talk about satin being hot. Girlfriend, try wearing a Mardi Gras Indian costume that weighs 65 pounds, completely covered. Oh, yeah, at least 65 pounds, completely covered in feathers, sequins, beads, often done on canvas. And, and if you ever felt a canvas on a painting, got a little bit of weight to it, and, and, and if it's cold, and we pray for cold on Mardi Gras Day, it's perfect. But then there are years where it's warm on Mardi Gras Day. And even when we come out to perform for Jazz Fest or other events in the middle of the summer or throughout the year, we put our bodies through a lot to bring mm-hmm. the culture. We do. A lot. Just, just the hours of sitting and beating. When I'm beating, I can do so 13, 16 hours in a day especially if I'm up against the clock. And so the minute I lay down, you know, two hours later, I'm jumping up in a panic. Oh, I got a soul. And, and I'm right back on the beating again. Many of these mm-hmm. Indians beat all year, but they don't have the schedule that I have. But they beat all mm-hmm. year, sometimes two years, to make one suit happen for carnival. So it's wow. a lot. It's a lot. And, and then the vendors that supply all, all the beads, all the sequins, all the plumes, there's only three stores in town. A, a new innovation is ordering online, which is what I do. 
So I get my plumes, you know, from, directly from China. I get, I get my beadwork sometimes directly from, from India or Africa. Uh, we have people here in town who go to Africa every year and, and buy ostrich plumes and then bring those back, you know, sort of as an exchange uh, with their EFA responsibilities. Okay. Yeah, so they go and do their EFA, but while they're there, they're shopping for carnival. I know mm-hmm. one big chief, I won't call his name, um, he actually has some Kenyans sewing for him. So he's got 13, 14 Kenyans. They can sew his suit in, in a month, you know, a few weeks. And, and, and then he brings them back and then pieces it together. And so his suit is just enormous, just, just enormous. But it, it's a lot that goes into what we do in the culture. You heard Cheryl talk about, you know, brass band, second eye might happen at 1 in the morning. Might happen at ten at night. Sometimes I've been in bed. It's a true story. Been in bed, exhausted. But it's something when I hear that brass band, I, I'm I didn't jump into my clothes, <laughs> and I'm out there, you know, with, with my with my camera. So I, I love this community. I take pride in this community. Um, I know it's, it's it's reconnecting me, as well as you all, back to our ancestors and who they were. That those of our ancestors that came out of Louisiana. Um, mm-hmm. My great-great-grandparents also were Creole or, or Poisson Blanc. Uh, some people said they were Indian, but many people in the family kept saying that they were Indian. Um, I've done the research. They were white. They were white, you know, and, and then had some white-looking children, but also some children that looked like mm-hmm. Oloye. You know? mm-hmm. uh, my dad, Oloye's color, married my mom, Otun's color. That was a scandal in the 60s. And it divided our family over shadism and, and color and, and culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this, this has been a powerful thing for me to do and be a part of. And then to have it documented and recorded like this is just priceless. I know you got to run, but prepare for more questions from me at a later time. Because I'm seeing the equivalence from this to like the Egungu masquerade. Yeah from this yeah. to how the initiations and the dancing and all that go. Yeah. So I'm going to have questions for you soon. Yeah, and that would make a great show. <laughs> also, when you get an opportunity, uh, if you would be thinking, I need a ghost writer because I'm prepared to start writing some, like, the first book. So if you know any ghost writers, I can't write. I can dictate, but I can't write. So... Uh, you know, that will help me a great, great deal. Okay, great. Great. Thank you both. All right. I appreciate you, but I've got to run. <laughs> Don't call me. All, 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 all the all time. Peace. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, as always. I certainly appreciate you, your listening ear, uh, your automatic recording and going into the archives, giving people an opportunity to hear this share this, please do like and follow and subscribe to my Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. You know that hyphen is a little dash in between the divine hyphen and prince. Until next time, remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing. Ashe, Asheo, and Ashe. Congo Square.
The Omus Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be 
beat, we beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat, be, beat, be. Beat. 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 Beat.
Congo Square. B. Congo Square. B. 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 Remember. Remember. 